Tom Parry. Matt Boyle. Why am I speaking like William Shatner? Because we've just been talking about Star Trek, perhaps? I think that's what it might be, Tom. But we're not here to talk about Star Trek. We're here to do a podcast. It's Tom Matt Attack. That was the worst impression I've ever done. I was going to say, I don't know what I was doing. It's not your best uh, impression. I, oh god! I saw so I heard I heard someone do a very good Matt Berry impersonation. You know the guy from what oh, we do in the shadows. Well, well, well I, I know I don't know to explain to you. I'm just bringing the audience in, and essentially they were the impressionist was doing lines from Lord of the Rings as if they were said by Matt Berry. Mm. And the the first two or three that he did were very very good, and this guy can do a very good Matt Berry impression. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try and emulate it. He's like a bit late to be trimming the badges, isn't it, Samwise Ganjee? Um, that wasn't and, bad. Uh, thank you. But he, this guy was very good. He sounded tone for tone. Um, and then at one point, he was trying to do some funny line about like. When did Sa- oh I can't have fallen on it a bit. It was like when did uh, when did Saruman the Wise become Saruman's bitch or something like that? But he he did it in a way that clearly the guy also does a lot of Christopher Walken impressions. I think. Ah uh, yes. Because he was just like, when did Saruman the Wise become uh, Saruman's bitch? <laughs> just like. <laughs> you haven't seen it- Communion yet, have you, Matt? That Christopher Walken. No. Oh, that's an experience. Um, yeah, so were they doing Lord of the Rings stuff because there's a new Lord of the Rings TV series, is it? Yes, I believe put... I believe that so. Have you watched it? Current. Have you partaken? No, no, any... no. I haven't watched it yet. I, I did wonder why there wasn't a Lord of the Rings Fortnite crossover, but I guess that's not been signed off by uh, the Tolkien estate, probably. <laughs> but yeah, pro- probably not. Um, but it would seem like that's the kind of thing that makes sense when something's yeah. like that. Yeah, did you... So, uh, in all of the, the news of the Embracer group, um, oh. you know, pre- previously THQ Nordic, who uh-huh. then started buying up all of the studios under the sun, yeah, they recently announced at Gamescom like a series of acquisitions, and they bought like mm. limited run games. They bought like lots of small studios, oh. and as part of that, they also bought the film and. The novel and film rights to Lord of the Rings and all of Tolkien's adapted works. The same mm. the same license that was held by Oh, you're gonna know his name, but I can't remember it. The guy who did the Hobbit films. Peter in... Jackson. No. The, oh, Ralph the anima- Yes, the yeah. animated ones. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. which Peter Jackson had to like lease to do mm. the rights to make the actual Lord of the Rings films. They own the rights to like the Lord of the Rings now, and but weirdly, it, it sounds like all of the Tolkien estate stuff is in a weird like 
the reason Amazon can do their show and not be affected by this is because that license only allows them to do like a four-part television drama or something versus well, a, a whole very series. Confusing because it's Warner Brothers, isn't it? Warner Brothers have the movie rights. I, I'm. They made the movies, yeah. but they yeah. don't have oh. the rights. Rights, I think. I don't know. It's all very confusing. But like, I saw that. I was like. I was trying to figure out what that actually meant in terms of them owning the license, but it doesn't matter. Fortnite, no, I, Lord yeah. of the Rings crossover. Maybe. Now the Embracer group is involved. Maybe we'll get some, you know, maybe we'll be able to run around like Legolas <laughs> in the Hobbit and shoot people off walls. Gandalf with a semi-automatic. <laughs> I mean, Goku with a semi-automatic <laughs> would have seemed extreme a couple of years ago, wouldn't it? Gandalf. So. <laughs> oh, the, the problem is with that, I, I get the feeling with Fortnite, they can't have short characters because every character's got to be roughly the same height. There are ways of doing it. Like there are some Fortnite characters who like are in mechs and yeah. stuff. There are and some also, that are technically a bit bigger as well, or at least like look it. But I think the hitbox is the same. And I think Vegeta, it's his hair that actually gets him up to the right height because Vegeta Probably. is shorter than Goku considerably. Yeah, I think. no, yeah. I know. <laughs> so uh, I think it's the hair that allows him to. Uh... Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so, so we, we aren't going to see Yoda in, in Fortnite, I suppose, unless he's in a yeah. mech, you're saying. I just laugh in the fact that, like, Vegeta's hair is the thing I guess him up to height. It's like the dream of every 14-year-old boy with a quiff. Gelling <laughs> <Just laughs> up and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean, I, I assume if they were to put Yoda into Fortnite, it would probably be like they did with Thanos, where he is a... There is a mode centered around you being able to become him and like bounce around and do Jedi shit, but right. isn't there yet? Probably yeah. never will be. Well, I can't really talk about many other games this week because Fortnite is actually all I've played. Which, I, and I want to talk a little bit about this that it feels yeah. kind of gives me everything I want from a video game. Oh, Tom Parry, I'm I'm well up this street. Yeah, no, it's I like agree. it's the it's the whole package. Because whenever I play a video game, I like to control a character. I like a bit of action. I like shooting, and I like driving. And, I, um, and it's such a solid sort of gameplay. Um, what would you call it? Um, I was I was going to come up with a what's that word? Gameplay loop. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That it just keeps you keeps you going. So. Um, yeah, I haven't felt like playing anything else. But I, 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 don't I have, blame you. I have I felt a little bit cr- creeping in, a bit of repetition creeping in. I still come back to it, but I, I can feel like, okay, so she, get a shield potion, you know. Yeah. It's the same sort of order of uh, the day when when you're playing Fortnite. I mean, the, the, the key gameplay loop of, like, get shields, get good gun, merc mm. people, move through circle is, you know, it's not like any other first-person shooter, isn't it? Like, yeah. there is a, a tactical thing of your mind when you deploy and you jump out of the bus after thanking the bus driver, of course, and you get down and you're like, right, this is what I need to do. Where it, I think Fortnite is quite good at this is that every week or so, as the battle pass goes on, mm, they're introducing the new weapons, which kind of uh, change yes, how you play yeah. as well as the challenges. And it, it can be very interesting. Sometimes it can be very infuriating because sometimes, like the weekly challenges, are like, "Hey, get twelve kills with a charged SMG," and I'm like, oh, "I fucking hate using SMGs." Ah, mm. I'm I like DMRs. I'm not... Matt, I love a DMR. I, I love a good DMR. DMR and a shotgun is my are my weapons of choice in that game. Yeah. 
but Josh, I... we're sounding like proper Fortnite. Yeah, um, yeah, man. Aficionado. Like and subscribe to our Twitch where we're going to play Fortnite relatively competently. No, I so I I have an opposite kind of reflection on Fortnite this week. I I haven't been so much playing the the main battle royale because we are almost at the end of the battle pass. Um, the season will end, I think, next at the end of next week. I, I thought it was the seventeenth. Yes, at the end of yeah. next week. Yeah. yeah. Well, the week following next week. The week following. So, like, yeah. in my head, I, despite being, like, level 60-something, because I've just been playing it for, like, I don't know, like, half an hour or so just to do dailies, I'm like, okay, I'm probably not going to get Vader, so is it worth me buying the Battle Pass? Let's see where I am by the end of it, because I might just buy it, because chances are those 950 coins I'll be able to get from the V-Bucks and the Battle Pass anyway, so it's fine. I have been chugging away, actually, at some of the more aesthetics-driven challenges they have at the moment. So they've been doing this campaign that launched, I think, on the 27th, from what I remember, called Play Your Way, which is essentially just saying, like, hey, it doesn't all have to be about running around shooting people and doing these things. And so they've amped a lot of the creator-driven content, like the, the... the forge equivalent to Fortnite, if you will, to be things that are on the forefront. And there's challenges around those. You get XP and you get XP for playing them, whereas I don't think you usually do. I did do a really... There was like a musical experience with a Japanese band on there a couple of days ago, which I, I tried and enjoyed as well, but I've been mainly playing these modes. The musical experience was fun. I was just running around and I was like, okay, this is nice to listen to some Jap- some J-pop and like jump up and down and do sort, some things. Sort of like watching episodes of Dragon Ball Super. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like they do a lot of that kind of like passive, hey, you're in the game experiences. And I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. Playing today, there's a couple of modes. One of them is called, um, oh, one shot, one gun mode, I think it's called. Yeah, I saw like that, that. advertised. Yeah. And essentially what that is, is you have, you have a... a a revolving cycle of like 55 guns and you need to get 55 kills with all of these weapons that are cycling in and out and you only get if as soon as you shoot someone they die kind of like swat in halo but then it changes your gun so you need to think about how you're going to shoot the next person it's really frantic it's really fun it gives you a shit tons of xp as well hmm. and like that i was like okay this is kind of novel like i understand what why people would like this mode it's a bit too hectic for me it's not really why i'm here i enjoyed doing the battle royale and everything else not just getting shot once and dying. So I I did that and I moved on. I was like, okay, I've unlocked the two things in this. I got the required amount of kills. I did the required amount of damage. And then there was a mode that, as we talked about off mic, was kind of similar to the Dragon Ball mode where you were kind of wandering around and doing some little quests and all these things. And I was like, well, this this is okay, but it doesn't it doesn't feel substantial enough to support itself because everything feels. I don't know. Like you don't really notice it when you're in the battle royale because you you're so busy running and going between places and just r- quickly bursting into houses, searching chests, grabbing guns, potions, mm-hmm. and whatever. That when you're actually in a world that is very th- there to be an experience, it all feels very like vapid. It mm. feels very. I don't know. It just does. It doesn't feel like it's content that you should explore and encourages you to explore mm. because all you can really do is interact with certain objects. It all just feels like quite vacuous. Well, it's like the Dragon Ball thing. That feels very much like that. Yeah, but it it, it just 
when they're trying to do these, like, oh, you need to do a quest, you need to run around, like, I don't know, the way you interact with that game doesn't really make that an interesting experience. It's, it's the shooting. <laughs> yeah, it is, 100%. And I, I, the more and more I did these mods, right? So one of them is called, like, Go Goat or something like that, and it's essentially a, a kind of, like, tower defense mod with people. I was like, okay, this feels a bit better. I'm not really keen mm. on the building, but at least it's a shooting. And then I did one that was an obstacle course, and so it was, like, 3D platforming. I just don't like how that game handles when you jump in, and, like, no. a lot of it felt... So it was like eight stages that took like five, ten minutes each. I was getting shitloads of XP while I was doing it. And I was like, okay, at least I'm getting XP for this. And so I was jumping around, I was doing these things. I was like, this isn't that fun. And it kind of made another shoe drop that I hadn't really considered with Fortnite. I was like, well, they're giving me XP for doing this like subpar experience because they just want to keep me playing Fortnite. <laughs> and I... You know, like, my my gaming spidey senses started tingling. I was like, oh, fuck. This is just, like... Whenever you see those things with, like, rats being, like, in social experiments, being, like, drip-fed stuff to keep them doing menial yeah. tasks. Yeah. I was like, fuck, is that what they're trying to make, this weird metaverse? Is this, like, what it is? Is just but that's the always Netflix been, thing? If they want you to be it. in it? It's always been part of Fortnite, hasn't it? To... To, to give you, to dangle that uh, carrot in front of you. Uh, I mean, you, you but the thing is, with that, you enjoy you enjoy the Battle Royale. Yeah. You enjoy playing that. But you might decide to have one more go because, oh, yeah, I might get all up a level and then be able to get some stars so I can get Darth yeah. Vader or anything. So there is, there is this thing that they, they're promising you goodies if you play more. But, yeah, yeah, to your point, yeah, if you're doing it in an experience that you're not getting any <laughs> real enjoyment out of, then... Then yeah, I guess that's all it is. Yeah, but that's um, the, you know like the gameplay loop of Fortnite. Of hey, you're going into a battle royale. You're gonna do things in the world. You're gonna kill people. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna avoid the circle. You're gonna be eliminated last and everything else. I think some of the challenges help spice it up. Yeah, yeah, they do. But like it, it's still skill based, right? Like yeah. you still yeah. feel like when you're leveling up and you're doing things, you're being rewarded for playing the game well. Mm. And what I think these creator mods kind of tipped the hand too far back on was like, hey, actually, we just want you to play. We don't really care about, like, the skill or anything involved. Because I gained, I think I was telling you, I gained, like, seven levels or something like that. It might even yeah. be more so it while playing this stupid experience. And I was like, okay, so I did, I played this stupid game a stupid game mode longer than it like shorter than it would have taken me to actually play and enjoy this game to level up what does that tell me about what they're trying to do with fortnite and also just mm. in general like a lot of these game modes i played there was some other ones it was like um a an equivalent of like a horde mode with like frozen zombies there was one where it was kind of another tower defensey thing where you're defending a monster statue that people were trying to destroy. Well, at least there's shooting involved with that. Yeah, there is, yeah. but like, it's not made for that kind of gameplay. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel weighty mm. enough to do a horde mode or whatever. And the way the guns work for Battle Royale is obviously, you know, you, you shoot and like you have to reload and things because you're 
fighting against you know enemies and like it it needs to be balanced in that way you can't just have like a a shotgun that absolutely dominates the entire thing without it having shorter ammo capacity mm-hmm. to give other players a chance to beat it and whatever in the hold mode that doesn't that stuff doesn't really work because yeah. you're just you're emptying bullets and you're like oh well shit i'm running out of bullets this is not really that fun sounds like gears of war horde though yeah, no, Gears of War hordes more fun. Honestly. It is fun, but it's still, you have the same issues of running out of ammo. Yeah, but in Gears, you can like chainsaw, you can do other things. Mm. It all, mm. it all feels weirdly light. And like in Gears, you don't have to worry about health and shields and all this other stuff. I don't know. It just it didn't feel that nice to play. It's... And I'm like, well, if this is the feature of it, of yeah. more modes like this, maybe that's fine. But also, I've I've seen kids engage with Roblox. I've always felt the same thing, that it's like a lot of these content creator-driven things and a lot of these game modes in some of these games that branch off the main path of what the game is trying to be are just like junk food gaming. There's just mm. really low-quality experiences. Yeah. And I and I wonder, you know, if if that ultimate goal is just to keep you engaged and to keep you going through it. Does it even matter if they're good experiences? Because you can always just quit it and find one of an infinite another of other. Well, and they can always also say you just you can if you don't like that you can just play the battle royale. Yeah, I, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It, it's, it's there as an me. optional thing, but as, as you say, it's a great way to earn XP quicker, isn't it? Yeah. So I yeah. will, I will no doubt on your recommendation, as we were saying before, if I want some quick XP so I get Darth Vader before the end of the season, I'm, yeah. it's probably in my benefit to, to do these things that I mean, I might not the, necessarily enjoy. Do the obstacle course. Like yeah. you, I think you will find the same frustrations as it me. I know you, I know you enjoy 3d platformers more than I do, but I was like, this is not, this game engine is not made for like robust, fun 3d platforming. No, no. It's mainly like, Avoid the red stuff. There's a red cross on this square platform. You need to jump in between it. And like, the hitboxes seem so arbitrary that even if you're like, like even if you, there's not that precision in like no. a platformer where you would jump and like the game would know that you are on the left side. Yeah. It's like, well, you're kind of close to it, dead. I tell you, in in terms of uh, movement though, what what Fortnite really gets right is that slide. That's so yeah, satisfying man. to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shooting and sliding works really well in Fortnite. It does. Um, we're not going to talk about Last of Us Part One this week. We're going to talk about the original Xbox, aren't we, Matt? We are indeed. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go back to the things. Um, yeah, Tom Parry, the original Xbox. I was I was walking around actually a a retro gaming fair that I'll talk about after this yeah. yesterday, and I was looking at original Xbox games because I realised in preparing for this and trying to think about what we were going to shall talk we, about. Shall we just roughly remind the viewers, maybe, not viewers, listeners, who haven't heard the last two, that we've been uh, doing a retrospective of every console from the 16-bit up to the, hundred, let's say, 128-bit? 128-bit, I guess. Whatever they're the... calling it at that point. So, so in the last episode, we did PS2 and GameCube, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We do it on Dreamcast, actually. And Dreamcast. So, so this week it's the Xbox. Sorry, yeah, Matt. Um, con- yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep it to the Xbox because you and I were talking off mic about like, oh well, should we do the 360? Should we do? And I was like, no, because you and I both <laughs> love the 360. You love the Wii. 
I'm particularly fond of the PS3. Those are going to be have to probably be episodes in themselves. Yeah. So we'll just we'll, we'll curtail the Xbox. I have a few other things to talk about as well. Yeah. But yeah, generally speaking, I was walking around this retro game market. I was looking and I was seeing games. I was like, man, I didn't know this. I don't know what this is. And it kind of made me realize that the Xbox, out of all four consoles, even even including the Dreamcast, weirdly mm. enough, mm-hmm. is probably the one I have least affinity for in terms of like knowledge and mm. time I've spent thinking about the console. But probably also the one I have the fondest memories of, weirdly enough. That's interesting. I, I, I would say, from my perspective, just to get it out there now, I think it's the best console of that generation. <gasps> I mean, it might well be. The best um, hardware of that generation, let's say. Definitely best hardware. Yeah, but by by far, you know, regardless of what you think of the look of the console or maybe some of the, the games that aren't on the Xbox that are on other formats, but still, I think it's a well-rounded um, experience for that um, generation. The Xbox is probably the best console to get, you know? Especially if you're you're just um, more casual gamer, you know, if you're not invested in RPGs necessarily, or you aren't a big Nintendo fan, if you like action and sport, <laughs> I suppose that that's the perception a lot of people have of the Xbox. So it, it, it's sort of like that bro console, you know. It's yeah. Like well, I mean, that was that was what how it was Microsoft marketed. even marketed it, yeah. right? Like, yeah. But it's much it more than that, by the way. It is. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it does have some very interesting titles. It does have these other things. I'm going to state for the record, I think if you're going to if you're going to have one of those consoles, it's got to be the PS2, just because mm-hmm. of sheer wealth of game library. But let's not get into that debate. I'd, I'd, say, I'd say get the Xbox, but yeah. Like, so my, I got the Xbox relatively late, so much so that I had the crystal Xbox. Like, that was mm. the one I got. This is the transparent one. Yeah. Yeah. Because I purely bought an Clear. Xbox to play Halo 2. Uh-huh. Um, I had played Halo 1. I played through it on PC because at the time I was doing PC gaming, as I've talked about on this podcast many times. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I had seen... Well, I mean, I had seen things out in the wild of like, oh my god, look at Halo 2 and look how good it looks. Mm-hmm. And then I had seen people that I played Final Fantasy Eleven with going man this is a really good game and by that point i was kind of full into first person shooters because i've been playing a lot of time splitters and like playing some counter-strike and some other stuff and i was like man halo it's fucking amazing and this is halo 2 you say halo 2 yeah you can you can play this console online you can there's Hmm. an xbox live what the fuck is that um and so i got xbox live i got halo 2 and then I didn't play any other video game for about two years. <laughs> it's like the Fortnite effect, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I don't know. Like, I was playing two guys, um, one from Canada and one from England, who were much better than I was at Halo. But, like, the three of us together could kind of hold our own. I just have so many memories. of just like I would wake up early on a Saturday morning, play with my buddy Tim who was living in Canada, because he was playing late in the evening, so like there would mm. be a hand over there, and then I'd start playing with my other mate from the UK, and then it would just 
you know, it would kind of be a cycle of like one of us handing yeah. off the baton to the other and person. And you were playing it because time. you loved playing it, not because you were trying to lock stuff on a battle pass. No, 100%. You <laughs> we were just having fun playing Halo. And I mean, for better or worse, because that game is the game that really got me, especially when Call of Duty and stuff came out, being really mm. obsessed with Kill to Death Ratio. Because mm. how levels in that game worked were kind of skill based. Mm. If you remember this, did you play much of Halo 2 well, online? Well, no, not at all. Uh, this is the thing. I know that I've, I have friends who I worked with at the time who were very much into that, playing it online. It, but yeah. it, it's a world I never entered. Um, so it's interesting to hear that that is your overriding memory of the Xbox. Is is Because mine's, mine's totally different. But yeah. I, I love it for different reasons, yeah. But, like, so what would happen with the online of Halo 2 was essentially your level was based on skill and essentially when you were when you were tanking hard and when you were losing matches as a team or as an individual player and your contribution to those they were negatively affecting your ranking so like mm. you were incentivized to be really fucking good at the game mm. and that's how matchmaking worked it was would it would match you up at players yeah. that it perceived you had a similar skill level to and that's the ideal sort of matchmaking isn't it i think 100 in any in any game you know i've played several fighting games online and, and that's the kind of thing you want don't you well, I mean, it gives you it gives you an accurate reflection of how good you are at a game. Like, as much as I like to talk and joke about this podcast, they're like, yeah, I'm good at Fortnite. It's like, well, I'm probably good at Fortnite because I'm probably being matched up against kids who don't play third-person shooter games that often. There's bound to be a proportion of the people playing with, like that yeah. level, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm sure. I'm like, especially once you get past the limits of the battle pass, when you get into like level 100 or something, there's people who play a lot of Fortnite who are really good at mm. Fortnite, and it's very humbling to play against those people. But with Halo, you knew. Like, if you were level 20 in Halo, you knew you were level 20 in Halo. And sometimes you would be exposed to, because they would be on a team with like three other people, people who were like level 40 at Halo and you'd be like, fuck, I see the skill difference between me and this person. This person mm-hmm. just no-scoped me within a second of picking up a sniper rifle. Fuck, mm-hmm. I can't do that. I should get better trying to no-scope. And it allowed you to almost have like an eye on how those people were playing and it made using spectator mode actually really interesting because you need you could see how they were at least like in terms of their their avatar in the map, like what weapons they were using, how they were using mm. them, what they were doing. And it was really, really fascinating. And it just helped you learn to play the game better. Can I ask, what what was your experience like playing online? Was it smooth? Your connection? Battery smooth. Yeah. And so it was much, mo- yeah. modem. You know, you're plugged into the telephone line. No, it... I had broadband. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't really remember, because I didn't play online games at that period, how the Xbox was, was doing that. It had a wireless, or was it Ethernet? It was Ethernet, yeah. It into your broadband. Straight, straight right. plugged into my modem, which was literally right next to my console, so there was very, very okay. little bandwidth. Could you have the option either. to stick in the telephone line into the Xbox or not? I think you could. Yeah, I don't know about that myself, yeah, because I never did it. I no, actually, I don't think you could. No, because you need a da- even with like. Did the Dreamcast need an adapter as well? To play. Dream. 
I'm not sure. I think the Dreamcast you could you only could plug a telephone into, from what I remember. It was the same with the GameCube. The GameCube sold the 56k adapter and the broadband adapter. Oh yeah, you had adapters to get onto broadband. Yeah, the original yeah. Xbox was all set up for um, Ethernet broadband to to, to start with. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's great. So, so so no issues with that. Did did you have problems in the household when you were playing Halo? Were there issues with the, with the internet connection for anyone well, else or? No, I mean, well, I mean, I was the only one in the household who used the internet, so it's yeah, fine. Okay. Like my mum mm. and dad don't, still to this day, don't really use computers, so mm. it really wasn't an issue. It wasn't back like it is now, where your Skybox and everything else is hooked up yeah. to the Wi-Fi. It's and... an era of online gaming that I never, I, I never did on the Dreamcast. I didn't do it on the Xbox. It wasn't until the 360 and the the Wii, I suppose. Yeah. I think so. Oh. I mean, like I said, I done I done a little bit of it before that on the PC. So mm. I I was I was used to doing that. Like I played Star Wars Galaxies, I played Final Fantasy Eleven. I've talked about this on the podcast before. But it was the first time doing it on a console, and I was like, "This is fucking incredible. This is how I want to play games." Like, mm. it's not it's not just about inviting mates over and hoping for three people will turn up a with a controller and b with some remote level skill at smash brothers mm. or time splitters or whatever it was he's like fuck as i said the matchmaking was incredible you were pitted up against people of your skill you were incentivized to improve and it was just it was flawless like mm-hmm. it actually kind of when i moved on to the 360 it actually felt like a step down in some respects mm. because it was so many people playing online that the servers couldn't handle them. Yeah. But, yeah, but Halo 2 is my, my yeah. pinnacle memory of that console. I, I remember being around uh, with my friends uh, Mike and Pete and Dave, and I think it was the... Uh, they were ready for the last night of Halo 2. The last night it was online, Yeah, I think. I this, was into, this was into the 360 era, wasn't it? It was, I think. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was a big deal for them because they, they'd played it a lot, you know. Um, I don't think they played it for a while, but when they found out it was the last night of it, they were like, we're back on now. We're going to yeah. have a night of Halo 2 because it had such good memories for them. Yeah, yeah. same with me. Like, I, mm. I played with... Played with Tim, I played with Tane. Like that, that we did that on the last night. Like I think everyone did. I think it was if you if you played that game, that was a a big thing like to do at that time. If you obviously had access to a console, hmm. and I think Is I that, did because hmm. I think my three sixty had red ringed at the time as okay. well. So I was yeah. <laughs> That's quite funny how the original Xbox was a lot more reliable than the uh, yeah, three sixty sure. in terms of your online experience and actual use of the console. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very solid machine, and uh, would you say that Halo Two is the defining game of the original Xbox, from your opinion? Yes. Um, so my my Xbox library was very limited. If mm. I if I think about the games I had for it, because like I said, I got it quite late. I already had a pretty big PS Two library, a pretty big GameCube library, and then not long after, the three hundred and sixty came out, and I upgraded to the three hundred and sixty. So I, the, there's two games I would say probably define the original Xbox for me. And I can quickly just rattle off what I actually yeah. owned for that system. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to bury the lead, I will, I'll say, so Halo 2, Halo 1. Um, I had Guilty Gear X2, I think. Um, I had the Playboy Mansion game because I was like, oh. What's this going to be like? I was like, that's a really shit. I've played it. It's not that bad. 
That's actually that's pretty solid. Really good. Yeah. Um, I bought Dead or Alive two. Um, no Dead. Well, Ultimate. Yeah, Ultimate. Sorry. Yeah. Um, what else did I have? Oh, Jade Empire. Mm-hmm. And then um, I've, I'm missing one or two. I can't remember, but like the the other important game that I definitely sunk a lot of time into from a first per, uh, from like a single player experience was Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, yeah. Which was Xbox and PC exclusive. Was it, it was indeed, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. one of those things that like a lot of my friends who had Xboxes because a couple of them did, which like, oh my god, this game's so incredible. Da, 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 da. And as much as I I wanted to play it, and as much as I yeah. liked Star Wars stuff, it was like it was Halo Two that pushed me to get that console. Sure, and then sure, when I had sure. it, I was like, finally, I can now play this. I bought Shenmue Two actually, and I never played it because I was like, well, I need to play Shenmue One first. And I didn't have oh, the DVD. Oh, you didn't have the video. You couldn't watch no. the video. You didn't have the disc. For I didn't have the recap. disc, so I just had the I had the the regular game. Um, and then. Yeah, I just went back, bought things like Jade Empire, little had a little dabble with those, but like none of them ever really gripped me in the way that Knights of the Old Republic did. I thought that game was excellent. I mm. think the storytelling is still of a quality that I yeah. don't think you really experience in games, especially Star Wars titles. Yeah. So so while maybe the original Xbox wasn't uh, the console to go for for JRPGs, it had really good adventure, Western-style RPG experiences yeah, like... Uh, didn't it have uh, Elder Scrolls? Yeah, I was going to say it had Morrowind too. Morrowind, like, I know people who yeah. love that version yeah. of Morrowind and played it to yeah. death. So there was something for the RPG adventure type gamer. The, yeah, the I mean, Xbox. especially in the US, right? They got even more stuff. There's um, Phantom Dust. Um, mm. There are some other games as well. Also, like in Japan, you got shmups because obviously the consoles famously did not do well in japan but it got a lot of weird yeah. games like um oh, the hell is that weird one where you're the president and you you fly a man oh i Iron... know exactly the game i i have i do own it on the uh xbox one um whether it was re-released what's it called um it's a from soft game right yeah good action met game but uh very very over top very uh uh silly metal wolf chaos metal wolf chaos right yeah it's a good game, good Xbox exclusive. For sure. But yeah, so lot there was stuff for gamers like myself, but as you say, like I think a lot of the a lot of the stuff on that console actually I remember another game I had which is um Conquers. Yeah. Because Rare by that time Rare were owned by Microsoft or yep. yeah. Yeah. I I I I much later bought Grab by the Ghoulies, but I must admit I've never played it. That's it. It's quite a unique game because your combat's all done with the, I think, the right analog stick. Your kicks and your punches. Yeah. Which, which, it, it's a, it's a fun game. A simple one, but um, it's pretty good doing what it, what sets out to do. Yeah. Uh, well, my my experience with original Xbox, I think, it's the best console of that generation for racing games. Okay. But by far, because one thing, using analog triggers, is the best control method for any racing game rather than buttons i think yeah uh forza product gotham rally sport challenge for me i i, would, I also play burnout revenge heavily on the original xbox yeah uh these were fantastic forza and rally sport challenge were exclusive to, to the xbox as well so um it was the best one to have for driving games 
of course you had Halo and you could play Time Splitters on it as well. So it was it's really good for first person shooters too. Again with the triggers. I mean Yeah. And the cut the layout of the sticks as well, I think that's preferable um to either the the layout of the PlayStation Two controller, uh, for me personally. And the C stick never quite lived up to having two of the same analogue stick on the GameCube, I don't no, think. No, it didn't. It didn't have yeah, it didn't 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 feel right. So yeah, and also a lot of arcade style stuff. Like there, there were quite a few fighting games on the original Xbox. I mean, Dead or Alive um, three and Ultimate are, are standouts for yeah. me. Of course, you could play SoCalibur on there. Capcom vs SNK two, Marvel vs Capcom. Uh, so it had that. And these are I'm just really talking about the genres I really love. You had Conquer for your, your platforming, but not only Conquer. You had all these other P, uh, platformers which you probably associate with the PS two more or the GameCube, but they were available on Xbox as well, and the majority of the time, that these were the best versions of those games. Yeah, with the best graphics, uh, the fastest loading times. Uh, so, I, for me personally, the Xbox I think was the the, the most all round system. Of course, you, you missed out on those fantastic Nintendo titles, which were still exclusive to GameCube. But for me, it, it blew the PS2 out of the water for my gaming tastes. Uh, the only thing I guess I couldn't get on the Xbox was Tekken. Yeah, that's um, true. So, and it, it just felt solid. I loved having the hard drive uh, as opposed to memory cards. And, and I felt the hard drive's never going to fill up, is it? This thing like goes on forever. Yeah, you know, no, I, it, it um, certainly felt that way. Which so you had to, didn't have to worry about memory cards. Yeah, there were memory cards, uh, which connected like the Dreamcast. So mm-hmm. in, in a way, it did feel like the successor to the Dreamcast because it took so much of the Dreamcast DNA, the online, the controller, and Sega did have good support for it. Um, yeah. It's interesting how they approached the Xbox compared to the PS2. They ported stuff to PS2. There were a it couple did. of original ones, like Halted Beast, but on the Xbox, Crazy Taxi 3, Gun Valkyrie, Panzer Dragoon Auto... Yeah, you know so and Shenmue too, of course, as you've Jet mentioned. Set Radio Future, yeah, that's Radio Future. Um, yeah, they they didn't focus. Yeah, all the Sonic games are on there as well. Not Sonic Adventure Two or Adventure One DX. They're exclusive yeah. to GameCube. I mean, but like looking at the list of games, just quickly doing a search, mm, I, we mm. we've forgotten one very large game that we'll talk about in a second, but. Just even things like Project Zero, One and Two got uh-huh. ports. Metal Gear Solid got a fucking Silent port Hill Two, three. Did three? I know two's on it. Two two's and four on are on it. I'm not sure if three and four are. Four is. Three, I've got it. Four, four is. is. Three yeah, probably yeah. is as well. Then. Yeah, we haven't talked about Fable. I was for the ad- about to adventure say, action but... game. That that was not quite uh, the game that we we expected it to be, but it was still pretty impressive at the time well this is this is the bluster of peter molyneux isn't it like it was that game was especially to me right that game was promised such a big thing and i was like wow this is going to be crazy imagine being able to do this kind of stuff in Mm. in an rpg and like 
I'd played open world RPGs. Obviously, I'd played things like um, Final Fantasy X, mm-hmm. and you know, I was no stranger to walking around a, a big 3D RPG environment. Is Final Fantasy whole... X an open world RPG? Well, I mean, it's, it's quite linear in the way that Fable is. Let's be honest; like <laughs> Fable isn't really an open world RPG either. Um, it's a big space and you can do things in it, but I think the promise of Fable was putting yourself at the centre of that and this whole idea of, well, you can be a hero or a villain and... Or a chicken chaser. You, yeah, or, or one of those chicken chasers. Um, you can be that thing and you can do these things and the things that your character does, oh, you're going to get in a fight with a wolf and it's going to leave a scar. And, it, like, none of that. None no. of that materializes, and like that happened with Mass Effect as well, where yeah. yes, certain choices were more impactful in Mass Effect, but you still felt like you were going along the same path, regardless. Mm. You would just have different dialogue options, and it kind of frustrated me. I was, I liked Fable, but I thought it was pretty loose in how you played it, and also just the it, the lack of that promise. Like I felt mm. like I'd been blindsided, and I I got That's the game the for free. Yeah. Because Xbox did a weird promotion where if you got a friend to sign up for Xbox Live, they would give you a free game. You could get up to 10 free games. I got that and... 10? That seems very generous. Kamiko? Is that the name of it? I don't think I've ever played it. Kamiko? I'm not sure what that is. Um, It's like a fairy-looking lady Cam- on it. it. No, it's not Cameo. It looks like Cameo. <laughs> I always confuse it with Cameo. That was the 360 Cameo. game, wasn't it? It was. It was a launch title for the 360 from Red. So might start with an O. Anyways, it doesn't matter. I also got a free copy of Project Gotham that I think I never played either. But Oh, you missed out. Yeah. Ah, oh, you know me, Tom. Not in the racing games. I never got I never got my fourth sign up though. Never got a copy of Blink's Time Sweeper. That's a shame. Yeah, there were two Blink's games on there the were. Xbox. Yeah. Stab were... Zombie as well. Yeah. Um, Voodoo Vince. Voodoo Vince. I, I enjoyed playing Gun on the original Xbox. I got it on the 360. Um, yeah, I, I see. That's the thing. That was very interesting because both Gun and uh, Burnout Revenge were both on 360, weren't they? And the original Xbox. But uh, I mean, that that's a thing for the. That's just just a thing. That's I know that's a thing, a thing with Xbox, yeah. isn't it? I mean, that happened with Titanfall and the Xbox One and yeah. the 360. Like, yeah, yeah. Because it's essentially a PC. They're able to do that in a way. Well, that Gun's on PS2 and Gun's on GameCube too. Yeah. I yeah. played Half Life Two for the first time original Xbox. I did as well. Um, mm. Also, like, did you play much Riddick? Yes. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that that was visually one of the that was the thing about the Xbox. I don't think we've stressed it enough, but the visuals were far beyond anything we'd seen on the PS2, Dreamcast, GameCube, uh, for the most part. You know, especially when it was developed for specifically for the system, like like Riddick was. Yeah. Um I think Riddick still probably holds up as one of the one of the best looking original Xbox games, even though, you know, it appeared relatively early on. Was it I, I seem to remember it being around for a while. Yeah, it was. It it was mid I think midlife of the console. We haven't talked about Ninja Gaiden. I no. should have mentioned that. Which visually amazing, gameplay incredibly smooth and enjoyable. It was uh, one of the benchmark titles of that action uh Third-person action game. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting things like a Togi as well, which uh, say, from Sega like, that yeah. never left the Xbox. Uh, Oddworld, uh, Oddworld inhabitants chose the Xbox as their uh, 
well, console. Well, yeah, I remember, like, I was quite disappointed when um, Munch's Odyssey was... Because mm, that was meant to be on PS2. It was, yeah. yeah. As one of the games I was looking forward to, and then like, well, it's on the Xbox. And I was like, oh. And then I played a little bit, and I was like, okay, maybe I don't need to play Munch's Odyssey. It's fine. And then Stranger's Wrath came out on the fucking Xbox. I was playing <laughs> with my mate Dan's. I was like, oh, this is a really good game, but I don't have an Xbox. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, there's a a game that we haven't talked about for the Xbox that I always personally wanted, and every now and again I okay. see one for sale, and I I want it so badly, Tom, but I just can't. I cannot do it. I do not not have enough space for a fucking Steel Battalion controller. Oh, but Steel God Battalion! God damn, do I want to play well, Steel Battalion? I think everyone sees that and thinks that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for those of you who don't know, Steel Battalion is a mech game, is a mech simulator game, and we need an entire could, desk with a controller. <laughs> you could buy a two hundred pound version of the game. I mean, it's still around that. The price of it has never really dropped, and it is essentially a giant joystick with two two sticks and an entire console full of buttons in front of you, like a big. There's two mm. sticks, like. If you imagine the the old arcade stick for the PlayStation that's got the two sticks on it, mm. it's like that in the centre with a big rectangle, and there are two other smaller rectangle bits coming off at a forty five degree angle from that that are full of buttons. It's such a bit as like, like the ultimate yeah. like Sega twin stick, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. Ima- yeah. Imagine, imagine like if this is not your mum, your grandmother's version of the virtual on sticks. It is mm. a big, hefty mm. beast. It is very heavy. It also has pedals, which are how you control the Mac. Yeah, which I've got cool. the perfect desk for it right now. I could, I could see this. Uh, I've got like a little arc here, so I could. Sit then what are you nicely. doing talking to me, Tom Parry? Why aren't you on eBay <laughs> finding a steel battalion? Because uh, I don't think for the novelty I would be willing to spend the hundreds of pounds. Uh, that I need to. I have. Like. I have seen one in the flesh. Because um, did you know anyone who had it? Or I don't know anyone who had it. Fifth no. Dimension, which was a store in yeah. Neath, um near me, had them for sale and had it set up, and yeah. so you could play Steel Battalion with a Steel Battalion controller. Obviously, so you've actually played it. it. I have played it with the controller. Like, yeah. admittedly. I, I messed around with it for a minute or two and then my one of my mates had a go and then I looked at a copy of Shanty and gone like, oh, no, I'm not going to pay 40 quid for a Game Boy Color game. Lo and behold. Uh, Anyways. Yeah. Oh God, it was, that, um, that store was amazing. Anyways, I'm not going to get into it. It was it was something else. I remember getting them in game and, yeah. you know, sometimes one would trade one in. I don't know if we ever got them in new or not, uh, but I remember one being in the stock room and, and there was this button. It was like the eject button or something. It had a little yeah. cover that you could flip up yeah, and press. Yeah, you could press. flip it up. Yeah, and, and, you know, I like... And it, it comes from childhood, doesn't it? This pressing buttons is quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, wow, it was like having the arcade experience at home, I suppose. You know, nowadays we can buy these sort of commercially available arcade machines from, like, one... What are they called? One-up? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then it was like Steel Battalion was the closest, I guess, you could you could get at retail, and sort of like that arcade experience at home. Mm-hmm. And exclusive to the Xbox, I think, unless it's yeah, on PC. Yeah, I mean, I they know. did also make years later a a Connect version of Steel Battalion. Hmm. But that takes away the key thing that makes it interesting, the controller. It does. The tactileness. I'm that it is... Well, I mean, that was the whole point. That was the yeah. whole why they were like, we need to make a Steel Battalion game. 
Because they're like, look, you can do this through hand gestures. Turns out, Tom, you can't. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, not that the, can be said You about wiggling of, your arms it? around over your head is not the same experience as flipping up that little thing and clicking the red eject I, button. I look forward to discussing Connect. Yeah. <laughs> at some point. Um, um, are there any games that you... I mean, I think you probably have a more robust Xbox library than I do. Are well, there any I games you. that yeah. you still are looking for for the Xbox? For the original Xbox... Not really. One of the ones I was very curious about was Spike Out, which always seemed to go... Um, it's, it's a third-person brawler. Uh, they always seem to go for silly prices. I actually got that eventually, a very reasonable price. Uh, it seemed to have been marked a lot lower than it was. Um, it, it should have been. Yeah. Uh, I've got 175 Xbox games, roughly. Okay. Uh is there anything else? I think I've pretty much got everything I'd want for the system now. Okay. Uh, its library wasn't as big as a PS2 one, of course. No. Uh, but yeah. it did have a lot of those same games on it. It now, did. I I've mean, said. if we're talking exclusives, like I never managed, I've never found copies of a Togi. So, like, I I would like a copy yeah. of a Togi one and two. Yeah, yeah, got those. I I always wanted Gun Valkyrie. I know it's not supposed yep. to be that great, but... It's not a game that kept me playing, but no. it felt pretty nice doing that sort of dash, uh, sideways dash with the sort of hovery jetpack thing you've got. Yeah. Exactly. Like it had it, a cool factor about it. It was a game that I think I got a demo of, like an official Xbox demo, because GameStation used to do the thing where if they didn't sell the magazines, they'd rip the covers off and throw them in a bin, essentially, yep. they were yep, free yep. for you to grab. And I, one of them had the demo for Gun Valkyrie on it, if I remember right, or I played it mm. at someone's house, and I was like, oh, this seems kind of cool, I want to play this one, and I never did. It's not as good as it looks like it should be, yeah. That's... Yeah, no, I, I mean, to be fair, most of my, most of my games that I, I don't own for the Xbox, other than the Togi, which I know is very good, are, are games of that ilk. Like, I saw yesterday as I was walking around, I was like, Blackstone, which is a action RPG which is supposed to be absolute trash. Mm. But I the cover is beautiful. The cover looks really nice. The cover's full of like anime drawings and then it's it's really rough in game like really blocky Japanese looking characters. But I've kind of always had a morbid curiosity wanting to play it, but unfortunately it's mm. a relatively expensive game. I mean, I don't I don't own Jet Set Radio feature unfortunately either. That is mm-hmm. one I would like to add to my Xbox library. I the thing is, I don't see Xbox games in Denmark that often. No. And there are some good console exclusives. Crimson Skies um, is... is I mean, I don't know how much you enjoy aerial combat games, but that one's I, got a nice arcade feel. I, I, like quite me some, I like me some Ace Combat, Tom. You know Yeah, this. Crimson Skies is, is, is a really good one to get for the Xbox, I would say. I mean, there's a, there's a shitload of like Japanese like cave put a load of shooters out on the console but like fortunately most of those are available elsewhere now and i'm not going to import a japanese xbox something we haven't mentioned is the ability to listen to your own music while playing the game that's true uh, I mean, burn your cds to your xbox play burnout revenge with your choice of aggressive music and it's a whale of a time it also black the, the first person shoot from um, ea that was also developed by criterion i think yeah um Works incredibly well with custom soundtracks. So does Halo Two. Yeah, Halo Two yeah. soundtrack is good. I bought. I oh, it's, Halo, it's a very Halo good soundtrack. Is what Halo Two soundtrack is one of the few soundtracks I physically own because I loved it because mm. it had mm. it had exclusive songs from Incubus, Tom, and I was really into Incubus. Okay, and so, yeah. 
I bought that to you, Brandon Boyd. Go follow, follow. What um, <laughs> an experience it was to sort of customize your game in that way. Yeah, have that sort of music video type experience that was interactive with I a mean, simple because because gun not gun what black it's pretty standard sort of arcade style shooter so it's so yeah. it sort of switch your brain off don't have to think too much you shoot stuff while listening to your favorite music um and again it's the same with burnout revenge you smash through cars you know you, it it really was a, a special thing at the time i thought 100 percent. like yeah. 15 16 year old matt boyle has very fond memories of um, laying waste to people in Halo while listening to Metallica's S and M album. <laughs> it, oh no, it's still sorry, fun. not S and M. I mean Garage Inc. I, I wasn't. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I just thought that maybe in a Metallica I hadn't heard of. Um, but S and M is a side note. S and M is a very good Metallica album. Tom Parry's essentially it. It means symphony in Metallica. It is them playing Metallica songs with a symphony orchestra. Worth a listen. Oh, right, yes, okay. I'm no expert on Metallica. I've got a lot of love for the console. I th- I th- four controller ports as well. Great thing to have on a console. So it had that. The GameCube also had that. But, you know, great. The Xbox did as well. Yeah. Um, at the time, the ultimate games console, I would say. Bit ugly to look at, but, uh, yeah, a lot of fun hours playing original Xbox. My yeah. controller choice for that generation. I mean that. To be fair, I think that was probably like the biggest generation of us. Like a guy, a guy I know um, had it, and we all made fun of him for having an Xbox at the time because we were like, it was so oh, silly. Look, look how big it is! It's like a yeah. table. <laughs> that was the same thing I did. Yeah. I remember walking into Dixon's with a couple yeah. of my friends and just laughing at it <laughs> because yeah. I thought it was so big. I mean, to how be stupid. fair, like we haven't really? talked about the controllers, like. I know a lot of people who like the Duke, the original Xbox controller, but I thought it was fucking massive. Yeah, my first Xbox controller, because I got my Xbox with the controller S secondhand. Yeah, me too. And and a copy of Ninja Gaiden, and those were happy times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I did get the Duke out of a sort of curiosity later on. Um, I think those oval buttons were weird. That was a, yeah, one of the worst are. things about it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't terrible control by any means, but yeah, if you had rather small hands I, I don't think it would have been a very pleasant thing to use no and that that is often why i hear people talk about it with fond memories because they're like i fucking hate dual shocks they're so dainty my hands are big mm. but but i get take a look leaf out the dreamcast book there with a big controller yep that's true uh yeah, but the controller S, I didn't like the placement of the analog sticks. No, not analog sticks, sorry. The analog triggers so much on the um, S compared to the Xbox 360. Yeah. But, you know, still, I appreciated them at the time. But that was probably probably the better controller. Although a lot of people have the fondness for the Duke. I think the S was a good revision. And it, the fact that they had to make a controller revision, uh, Microsoft felt like they had yeah. to, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because it yeah. doesn't happen often. Whether like you know, we're just going to replace this controller. Um, happened with the, you know, the Mega Drive had a controller revision. I mean, it, it technically happened with the PlayStation when they introduced the Dual Shocks. Dual Shock, yeah. Maybe it happens more than you think. It, I mean, I think it happens for most consoles. It just it hasn't. 
it hasn't traditionally happened with Nintendo consoles. I can't think of like a redone controller for there. Cause no, the they stick with the it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, we kind of at the point now with controllers where even like the Pro Controller and the the Xbox controller and the DualSense aren't that much distinguished other than yeah. some of the gimmicky no, stuff. So it's become more standardised, hasn't it? I think, it, you know, as in the way that keyboards did, I think we are reaching that point where we are, you know, there is a form factor and people... They found the perfect what form this is what doesn't. for these games that yeah. people like to play now. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are, fortunately, companies like Microsoft also making accessibility options for people who that controller layout doesn't work for as well, so they can have pads that they can hit with their feet and everything else. It's really cool. Um... I actually, it's kind of a shame though, really, isn't it? Because we forget the, the UER created the Stratavarius of controllers and that, that design was never adopted by anyone. So that's very sad. Do you genuinely but, really like the UER controller? No, I fucking hate okay, the UER okay. controller. I didn't think it was that bad, but I mean, it was. Tom, the buttons get stuck. You, Do if they? You were, okay. If you were playing. Well, you've t- used you, it more than I have, to be fair. I, I played a lot of Towerfall with that controller. The buttons get stuck because it's a because it's steel milled on the top yeah and the buttons are flat yeah the the, the buttons can get caught under the thing of the controller yeah, and, stick well, that's, down. That's and that terrible. is just like okay. such an obvious thing when you're playing with it ah anyway r.i.p my poor Uya. forever will you remain in the attic hmm do you remember the black and white buttons on the original xbox Controller. I mean, they were very good for my grenades and for my flashlights. <laughs> so that, that was quite an iconic thing about the Xbox controller, the, the black and white buttons. As as with the GameCube, the, the Z trigger, the extra button that just looked like it shouldn't be there. But I, I mean, you know, you pulled the X trigger, though, to shoot guns in Goldeneye. That made sense to me. I was like, oh, this is like a trigger on a gun and did something uh, psychologically. To oh, yeah, it made sense mind. on the N64, but yeah. then just whacking it on the top of the uh, GameCube controller didn't really. I mean, yeah, 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 you're right. I mean, to be fair, though, they did... Putting it there did become the thing, because, I mean, even when you got the 360 controller then, they were like, yeah, we're going to put the black and white buttons on the top of the controller so they're next to your thumbs, because they, they tend to be used... Oh, for... so right bumper, left bumper with yeah, the equivalent exactly, of black like... and white. Yeah, never really thought of it like that. But, of course, that's what it is on PlayStation as well. So. Yeah, 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 it's just everyone looking at Sony and going, hmm, Two that's a good place shoulder to put those buttons. buttons. Maybe we should put them there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, the Xbox, I think, it's great. There you go. That's. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't like think of much Xbox. negative, really, to say about the original Xbox, other than its size. Um, I mean, it's... I've never had any problems. Oh, actually, I, d- I did leave one on in a cupboard for too long, and it overheated and died, but there you go. Why did you leave it on in a cupboard? Do you know what was weird about it, actually? I don't think I even left it on, but it was yeah. plugged into the mains. It wasn't The, the console wasn't on. But after years of being shut inside a cupboard, plugged in, it just died. Died yeah. of neglect is what I'm hearing. That's a shame. Yeah, it, well, it did feel quite quite warm on its deathbed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, since then I, I've had a couple of replacements. Uh, Fair. I've got a few Xboxes. And, and I think, um, talking about uh, modding, uh, it became a very good system for uh, modding, as you know as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I, I know a lot of people who have emulation things set up through their Xbox. I mean, that one I bought you secondhand that we talked about on the podcast also had that stuff built in, which is kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple of Xboxes now with uh, with great 
um, what would you call that? The, the uh, front ends for yeah. um, emulation and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, I remember the last game that I owned for the Xbox. It isn't worth talking about, but I'm just going to say for continuing anti sick Dino Crisis Three because Capcom released some games on. I that did think about well. mentioning Dino Crisis Three. It's sort of like the Xbox exclusive that time forgot. Because to be <laughs> fair, because it's not very good. Like it's dinosaurs re- in space. Yeah, but it's also just like the way it controls. They made a survival horror, but yeah, they're trying to make it great. into more of an action game. Where if I remember right, you can't really die, and you have unlimited bullets, which is you know not really what you want from a survival horror. Mm. It's more about clearing out areas. It's kind of like mini horde modes from what I remember. Mm. It isn't very good. Mm. Let's not forget you had at least one light gun game for Xbox, House of the Dead 3. Oh, no, I played House of the Dead 3 quite a bit. Yeah, um, But I can't think of any others off the top of my head. I had the gun for Xbox, but was it only compatible with the one game? I only ever remember House of the Dead. <laughs> I'm sure there must be something else. But yeah, like did Virtual Cop not get some kind of weird no. re-release? No, no, there was one on Dreamcast, but um, pff, not that I can remember on Xbox. Yeah, did, that's Cri- a good did Crisis Zone come out on Xbox? Crisis Zone. Oh no, that's three uh, PS3, I think. No, it's on PS2 as well. Crisis Zone. Crisis Zone, the the, the Time Splitters game in the arcades where you have three choices of guns: a machine gun, a, ha- a grenade launcher. Yeah, and... that's on PS3. It's part of the shooter collection. Is it on PS3? I thought it was also on another. No, it comes that. with uh, Dead Dead Storm Pirates and Crisis Zone on one disc. I think mm. if if oh no, Crisis Zone is another game. I'm thinking of something else. Sorry, Matt. Crisis Zone. I'll tell you if it was on Xbox or not. No, it was on PS2 and arcade. I thought so. I was thinking of... Oh, let's find out before we wrap this up. <laughs> Deadstone Pirates came on a disc. Have you ever played Deadstone Pirates, by the way? Yes, I played it with you, I think. It's a good game, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I enjoyed um, it. Yep. Yeah, it was Time Crisis Raging Storm. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It came also with... Yeah, apparently here, Time Crisis 4 and Deadstone Pirates. I only remember it coming with Deadstone Stone Pirates. Maybe there were other releases of it. There was Silent Scope Complete. I knew there was another game on the Xbox. Oh, yeah, I've got that. Yeah, so they yeah. got the I... giant fucking sniper rifle. Well, I want that, but uh, yeah, I haven't got it yet. Yeah. That's that's an accessory that I'd like for the Xbox. There you go. For what anything to do with an Xbox, it's the Silent Scope gun. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll write to <laughs> Santa and I'll let him know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's that's quite glowing, isn't it? Yeah. It is. But yeah, then again, I... all all the consoles of that generation were good in their own ways. You know, I don't yeah. think we genuinely have really bad consoles. Yeah. Mm, we haven't talked about the CDI, the 3DO. I don't think either of them are really bad. But I mean, only you can talk honest. about them because I've never. I've, <laughs> I've played a bit of the CDI of your one from the the shack, but like I've never played your 3DO. I can't talk about the Jaguar um, because I've never played one. No, I and I never will now. Or the CD, or the CD thirty two. I can't comment on that. Someone either. was telling me they sold a box Atari Jaguar yesterday for like three hundred and fifty quid, and I'm just like, okay, I'm never going to own a Jaguar. I don't really care. It's fine. There's no real reason to own a Jaguar. Well, this is what I said to the person, <laughs> other than that, to say you own a Jaguar, and he said, yeah, I agree, but it meant three hundred fifty quid for me. I was like. Good on mm. you. I remember, you know, when I wanted to have all the consoles, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? You want them all, don't you? You say, oh, I yeah. get them all. That, that's what you do. Uh, but it's like, the more I thought about it, the more I realised 
what's the point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the, there was a guy <laughs> at the thing yesterday who had supervision games, and I was chatting to him about like how I'd kind of flirted with collecting a supervision library because it's like 68 games, and then going like, who fucking cares? It's a supervision. It's not very good. And he was like, yeah, tell me about it. I've got a full, is it Amstrad 32 collection? Mm. That yeah. weird Amstrad console yeah, yeah. where they just put Amstrad yeah. stuff on cartridges and he had a couple yeah, of games yeah. spare to sell. I was like, I yeah, but I know also... they're all like 70 quid each and they're all shit. I'm not buying them. Wasn't that like the same time as the um, Amiga 32? That, I think that so, yeah. The Amstrad one. Um, yeah. But uh, GX4000 is the name of the console. Hmm. Hmm. It it literally has like 12 things with it. It came with Burning Rubber, which is apparently not yes, a very good racing that, that, game. Yes, that's the I know uh, that one. Yeah, I, I've often flirted with the idea of buying some of these stupider, more obscure consoles, but I'm like, I've got too many games for consoles I like that I should sort well, I through. think unless you grew up with it and have some nostalgia for it, like I do with the CDI, yeah. there is no need to no, go exactly. that way. There was a guy selling video pack games for like mm. a quid yesterday. I was like, man, I could buy some video pack games. I was like, no, what I should do is get rid of my fucking video pack because I've never used it. <laughs> Ever been tempted to, to get an uh, Atari 2600 or equivalent? I mean, I've got a 2600. I've got my you childhood got one. I've got the junior. Yeah. I never had a Woody. I always wanted one. I yeah. should have bought yeah. one when they were still cheap, but I didn't. Um, but again, I, despite having some nostalgia for Popeye, Empire Strikes Back... And some other games, Miss Pac-Man on the Atari 2600, I, it's not really a, a console that I'm like, oh man, I must play an Atari 2600. No, but a lot of the games now are available on compilations too. They the, are. The game's worth playing, at least. And uh... Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm just going to quickly breeze through. I bought a load of retro games yesterday, Tom Parry, which mm-hmm. is something I've not mm-hmm. done in a while, because I went to a retro game meetup here in Denmark. Um, it's in a sports hall. It, I've previously talked about this same thing of doing it in a big field in a back garden once upon a time. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Matt, you're saying doing it in a big field doing in a back in garden. A you didn't specify what it was. Selling video games, Tom. Okay. Oh, yesterday right. yesterday yes. I was not selling video games. I just went there purely to have a look in the whole to do it do it in a big field. Yeah. To, to do it in a big field. It's always been a dream of mine and I've accomplished it. Um no I went there because they in previous years of this thing, obviously I know a lot of the, the Danish retro game collecting community. I always have good chats with them. Um and I went there because in previous years there's been absolutely shitloads of Game Boy Color stuff and Game Boy Advance and I was like, right. Most of these things are games that people aren't gonna buy. All of them are gonna be cheap. I'm just going to go to this thing. I'm going to grab every last one of like the 15 or so games I need. I'm just going to be done with my Game Boy Color collection and I don't mm. have to think about Game Boy Color anymore. Fortunately, rather sparse on Game Boy. I did buy a lot of Game Boy stuff, but compared to previous years, I think all of the other Hoover, the collection, all of the other collectors in Denmark have hoovered this stuff up and none of us are selling it. Hmm. So I think it is just the stuff that people are wanting to get rid of. And I, I did get lucky. I did get two of the games that I still needed, but there's still like there's still a couple to go now, and I'm still like, oh, should I just buy them all on eBay? Should I just get it over and done with? Um, I bought some, some nice box games, as I've talked about in the podcast before. I've been going after the boxed HAL Lab games for the Game Boy. Um, I finally found a copy of Ghostbusters 2 that wasn't 200 quid. Um, and so I bought that. Um for substantially cheaper than 200 quid. Um, 
I picked up a copy of RC Pro-Am, uh, which is developed by Rare, because it is in the red Nintendo Classics box, which I've been trying to get that collection as well. I, there's nine of them. I have five of them. And I was like, oh, great. Pro-Am, that's one. Mm. It was 100 kroner. I was like, great. Take that. And then I just ended up picking up loads of cheap Game Boy games that I've kind of been curious about. That I'm like, okay, cool. Um, Need for Speed Underground 2 on the Game Boy Advance, Crusher Tiger Hidden Dragon on the Game Boy Advance, Tony Hawk's Cross Skater 4, a Yu-Gi-Oh game. I grabbed a copy of TMNT for the Game Boy oh, Advance yeah. because that, yeah. it's particularly rare and it was 20 kroner. Uh, the Rugrats Go Wild, which is the Rugrats Wild Thorn Breeze crossover game. And a double pack called Monster Trucks and Squad, uh, Quad Desert Fury that I've never seen before. Um, for the Game Boy Color, I grabbed Super Cross Freestyle and uh, Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX, because this is the quality of the last Game Boy Color games I need. Um, and there were lots Well, that of might stalls. be good, uh, Pro BMX, isn't it? Not like the Tony Hawk game. I'm assuming it'll the... be all right, yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I think it'll be okay, but it's not like... None of the games I need are particularly amazing, and none of them are particularly games that are within my wheelhouse. There's a lot of extreme sports games, and there's a lot of driving mm. games, and there's lots of stuff that I'm like, oh, okay, fine, I'll grab it. But anyway, um, I got. There were some people who had loads of Japanese games for some reason, like both Famicom, Game Boy, and Super Famicom, and they were all very cheap. And I went over to a case, and some guy had, like, um, For Who the Frog Bell Tolls, Boktai 2, oh. some other stuff. And I said, 30 kroner each. And I was like, 30 kroner? 30 kroner? And he's like, yeah, because they're all in Japanese. I was like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I will I will take Goemon and For Whom the Frog Bell Tolls, games that I have absolutely ruined labels on that I paid a lot more for 30 kroner for. I'll, I'll take those. Thank you. Um, I got an, a new copy of Popeye, which is the, the Pac-Man style Popeye game because I think it's very fun and it was 10 kroner and I was like, fuck, I'm having that. Wow, you had a good day then. Yeah? I did, yeah. Um, The best thing of all, Tom Parry, was I got a copy of Mega Man uh, 64, which admittedly now means I'm going to have to buy a fucking Japanese N64 next time. I'm it was Japan. the American. It is American. It only came out in Japan and America. It never came out in Europe. Yeah. But it has often been a thing that I'm like, Oh, I hear it's better than Mega Man Adventures on the PS2 because it was originally developed for the N64. So you know what? I, I I have it for the you Japanese N64. Yeah. Yeah. I have but a I... Japanese N64, but um, yeah, it's better that you've got the English language one. But you need a US N64. No, no, Tom Perry, no, no, I don't. Because you can no? you can get a Japanese N64 or a US N64, and you can essentially buy a thing. You can unscrew the console. Oh, that. And take out the little tray, and then you can play multi-region games. So I'll eventually do that. Oh right! So yeah. you can play anything on it. You can on a play PAL or PAL, um, not PAL. Sorry, um, NTSC or Japanese games. Oh, so both. So the stuff that American runs American NTSC and Japanese NTSC. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's like seven quid. You can buy them on eBay. They seem really cheap, so I'm going to get one of those. Well, um, I could also also do that. Yeah. yeah. I bought um, a Japanese Sega MyCard box for a game called like Zippin' Racing by Irem because it was a quid, and I was like, "The this box." Is a re- it's just the box, but I was like, "This is a really nice box," and it it's also like it's a box that I'm now like, hmm, "Maybe I should buy the card for it," but I'm like, "No, I just like the graphic design and the manual okay. is really cute." Yeah. So I was like, "For yeah, a quid, yeah. I'll have that." Well, you're a bit of a math system fan, aren't you? Uh, I like a bit of math system. Um, the, the most flabbergasting purchase, Tom Parry. 
Of I'm preparing to be game. flabbergasted. Although I've probably already seen it if you've put it on the internet. You have seen it, but I, I didn't post the price. Um, so I was walking around and like we, we, I went with a couple of colleagues and we took a couple of laps and right at the very end we said, okay, well, yeah, we're pretty dumb. We've been here a couple of hours now. We should go. Um, I, I didn't expect to be there that long. It was nice because it meant I got to chat to everyone I knew there and yeah. everything else, but I just yeah. kind of thought we'd come and go. I was looking around. I walked past a store where my one of my mates, Martin, was selling stuff, and I was chatting with him and joking because I almost bought a copy of FIFA 13 for 30 kroner for the PS2 because in my head it was FIFA 14. Unfortunately, he was just like, wrong one, Matt. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's 14 you're thinking of before you buy this. And I was like, oh, good. Thank you for being honest and saving my bacon and not making me buy this. Um, I was there, I was chatting with him, and I looked to the right of his stall, and uh, he had a copy of Cooler World. And I was yeah. like, look to the corner of the copy of Cooler World. Cooler World's it's... cheap, isn't it? No, no. Cooler World oh. is not cheap. I remember, I remember when it was cheap. Cooler World was cheap, once upon a time. <laughs> I remember when you could get it for tuppence at game. Um, have a look on eBay, Tom Parry, and before I reveal the price to you, have a look how much a copy of Cooler World goes for these days. What? Yeah. Isn't isn't a Cooler World you can download on the PS3? I'm sure you I can. downloaded you it. You cannot. Yeah. It's also on the PlayStation Classic. Yeah. Would you like to reveal to our lovely listening audience how much? Um, well, I'm I'm feeling it's probably you paid around the hundred pound mark for it. No, Tom Parry. No, I didn't. There was a sticker on the corner of the Cooler World box, and I picked it up, and I, in my naivety, I looked at it, and I was like, that can't be the price for this game. This must be like an ex-rental or something, this must be a sticker, there's a holdover. Turned it around, asked the lady, I was like, how much is this? She goes, 40 kroner. I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> so, 40 kroner. I made out like a bandit on a complete copy of Cooler World. Important like, to mention how much for a British listeners that foot that is. About a fiver. About a fiver. Now, and that America? I think that's you to do the currency conversion for Actually, <laughs> probably about four dollars right now, dollars. Tom, because the pound is um, in the shitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we could do it for every every country. We I don't know um, how much the reach is on this podcast. Oh, how much is that in euros? It's probably about seven how much is euros. It in euros. Euros, yeah, that will be one. Probably somewhere in the region of about sixty Swedish crowns. Probably in the region of about thirty Norwegian. I can how type many, it into uh, Japanese the translate. Yen? The how many Japanese app. yen? So. Oh fuck, Japanese how yen. Many is- Australian oh, prob- dollars. What about Canadian dollars? Probably about a um, thousand <laughs> Japanese yen. Probably about ten Canadian. Probably about seventeen Australian. Great. I'm going to do this conversion and find out how close I was before we wrap That's up wonderful. this podcast. That's wonderful. Um, um, well, congratulations on that. Uh, seven Matt. Canadian dollars. Um, yeah. It is <laughs> currently at current exchange rates. At current exchange rates uh, in uh, um, September two thousand twenty-two. Sorry, you said I was talking over you there, Matt. What did you say? It's four pound sixty-five in ro- in pounds. regal British pounds. Yeah. It's very important uh, stuff. Thanks for listening to the end. Seven hundred, um, seven hundred fifty yen. I was a little bit higher. 
There we go. Right, let's wrap this up before we get into my my stock tips for the week. How much is a Japanese copy of Cooler World? I have no idea. Go on. So, so what what are you wrapping up, Matt? Go on. I'm just wrapping up the podcast and saying, and if you've enjoyed this podcast before we descended into madness of um, talking about exchange rates, you can find us in a variety of places, such as on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Tom and Matt Attack, on Twitter at TMACast, at Gameboyle for me, at TomParry11 for him, on tomamattattack.com forward slash podcast we're also on blastprocess.com and you can listen to the podcast in a variety of places such as on iTunes Stitcher and Spotify while you're in Spotify or iTunes or wherever you're listening give us a cheeky rate and subscribe let us know you're listening Tom Barry it's been a pleasure how much is a Japanese copy oh it's called Cooler Quest and you get it for about £30 or less that sounds like a good way to get that game if you don't Uh, want to spend and the disc is has the design of the ball so oh the, man, really? Yeah, I kind of like. I, to be fair, I kind of like the pal star on there. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll share this with you, Matt, and uh, we can uh, chat about it after I the can podcast. Go, I can go call. Yeah. Well, oh, um, I think I didn't even what's... get a chance to chat about inscription, but I've already done the wrap up. Oh my god, that is a stunning box. I have to buy that. <laughs> some um, well, you know, I I will bite with the money I saved. It's all good. Um, yeah, I, I, I've played Inscription. All I will say to you, Tom Parry, is I think you should play Inscription. I think Inscription is a great game. I would encourage anyone who's out there listening who has not played Inscription and wants to play Inscription to go play Inscription because I'm going to talk about it next week. I will mm. not... I will try to be as vague as possible because I have been told myself that this is a game that is best going into blind. Um, but I've really enjoyed it. Anyways, hope you enjoyed this and hope you've enjoyed just talking about the Xbox. Next week, we will probably do one of the other consoles that we will decide sometime during the week. Uh, But until then, everybody, thank you for listening and be sure, as always, to game on. Game on.